howdy, it's... Looks like we found these young folks talking about a great story in the movie called The Straight Story. It's a 1999 Disney movie directed by David Lynch, and that is heckin' weird. The movie is starring Richard Farnsworth, Sissy Spacek, and Jane Galloway Heights. The movie is about an old man makes a long journey by lawnmower to mend his relationship with an ill brother. So let's get our ears straightened and listen to this episode of Big Trouble in Little Podcast. Hello, it is October 10th, 2023 at 10.04 p.m. Eastern Time. It is episode 259 of Big Trouble Little Podcast. I'm oh, dubs, you silly goose. It's episode 260. Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm Zach. And Chaz is still fired and dead or whatever <laughs> excuse that we Both. <laughs> We fired him and we fucking killed him. <laughs> we ki- we fired him because he was dead. He's He's no good to us dead, so. Yeah. Maybe, like we said, maybe we'll resurrect him at some point. Uh, but we're continuing David Lynch uh, m- month, I guess. Yeah, we're doing it for no, weeks. no, elaborate. No, no, uh, <laughs> I like to the- see, I, I want to hear somebody ask him, could you elaborate on what straight story is about? I just want, I just want to see his reaction to that. Uh, he did once, he said it was his most experimental movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In this episode, we're going to be talking about the straight story, the Disney movie, David Lynch, the straight story, which unintentionally I picked two movies that were based off of a true person. <laughs> so it was the true story. Uh, and they're you know, also the most straightforward narratives of, of any movies he's done, maybe besides Dune, I guess. Which uh, he refuses yeah, to take credit for. Yeah. yeah. So I, let's get into the highs and lows of this movie, I guess. Uh, in the beginning of this movie, because I don't know if uh, you were, you know, watching the chat room and stuff uh, on Facebook. Uh, I'm talking about Andy and Zach and, and Facebook Messenger. I was like, did Disney like watch this movie and go, what did we get ourselves into? Uh, and it's only like the beginning weird dialogue that happens between Alvin and his daughter and the neighbor and like the town like it felt disjointed for a little bit i got news for you buddy the whole movie is disjointed you just got used to it i think okay you settled in your brain said oh this is what we're doing yeah and then then you got in the david lynch headspace this is like uh this reminds me of stuff that had the vibe that twin peaks kind of has sometimes when there's just normal stuff going on this movie is gives me Big Twin Peaks vibes, especially the soundtrack because it's Angelo Badalamente again. But yeah, but it's got yeah. like um, like this is gonna sound like I'm trying to be mean to this movie and Twin Peaks, but I'm not because I love both those things. But there are parts where it seems like an actor is acting poorly, but <laughs> it's like 
kind of part of what the movie wants to be. I, I don't I, I don't know how to put it into words. I'm not David Lynch. I don't think it's acting as so much as uh I don't know what, what, what the word is I'm looking for. Uh reacting. <laughs> Maybe. Someone someone give me the number to nine one one. I was like, ah, oh, that's the lamest kind, joke ever, but like it's so David Lynch, I guess. It's kind of like when people talk about like uh, uh, Silent Hill Two, and they're like, "The acting is so bad and weird in that game," and they don't understand that's that's not really. Uh, they weren't trying. They're were trying to find people that would just do a part, not act. It's not. It's not about acting. It's about like playing a part. More this or movie's less. full of those little parts. Like, oh, yeah. it, are you are you okay? Okay, I got to get back to the exercise now. That firefighter. It's just like, it's a bad delivery of that line. But you can tell it's just because he's just—he's just a firefighter. He's just—he's just, he's probably actually a volunteer firefighter. He's not supposed to be an actor playing exactly. a firefighter. And um, I—I I think that's part. Like David Lynch could have easily said, "No, no, cut, do it again," but he didn't want to. He saw that and he said, "Yes, perfect. that's it." <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it, it like disjointed me in the beginning and i i think you're right because it i just got into it and like i started to get into like david lynch like what is he trying to say with this scene right here uh it, it was just like simple it was just it, it's simple stuff like when he met that you know world war ii vet and they were sharing stories fucking cool uh the whole you know the bikers camp and stuff. And when I say bikers, I mean bicycles, <laughs> which Cy- cyclists, cyclists. By the way, uh, and he's talking to the young kids. Very and stuff. dangerous. Talking to the young kids and having, you know, that discussion about old and young and all that stuff. What was that quote that he said that that I tried to remember? He was like, "The bad thing about being the old. Part, the worst part about being old is remembering when you're young." Yeah, and I was like, "God damn it!" Damn. <laughs> Uh, and I'm only in my like you know mid 30s and stuff, but you, you know I still think about the good old days. And as you get older, I guess that's what happens. <laughs> you think about more good old days. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So like I I think my headspace I was like getting in into the David Lynch mode, uh, and I want to say the highest point of this movie where I just fucking loved it is remember last episode we talked about there is no meaning it just it is what it is i just liked how it fucking ended this movie oh my god great ending he gets to the brother and you know normies are probably like wanting to know what happens like what do you say yeah what what, what they talk about (laughs) yeah and i was like it, it just transitioned to the stars, and I was like, "This is fucking great." I liked it. I, I was really distracted because I was like, "Is that Harry Dean Stanton?" And it then is. he spoke, and I was like, "That's Harry Dean Stanton." I forgot he was in this movie, and he's only in it for like thirty seconds. And he says like two lines, and then that's it. I was oh, okay. I guess you had Harry Dean Stanton in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like started like thinking like weird stuff like david lynch i'm like is he gonna get to this house and like something weird is gonna happen no it's just the brother came out and he's just you almost get that vibe for a second you almost do because you see that house and it's like quiet and small and dirty and you think wait a minute what's what's going on here like you, you start to you worry a little bit <laughs> is this a david lynch trap yeah it's just a david lynch <laughs> trap. 
<laughs> but no, you worry. Like, is he already? Did he? Did, you know, did he die? Or like, is something weird going on? Or is he in the wrong place? Or I don't know. So, I felt, I I felt uh, ill at ease until he heard his brother shout, Alvin. Yeah, and like they also like play with you a little bit with the priest because you know he brings up the you know stroke and he's like, yeah, I saw him once. I don't know what happened after that, and like it puts it in his head and stuff that something happened. Uh, also, another high I want to give is backstory. Like when he's talking to the young, uh, pregnant uh, female hiker and giving backstory on his daughter and stuff. Because uh, before the scene, you see the daughter just staring outside and see a boy pick up the, the ball. And that that also had like, Twin Peaks vibe to it for me. I, I don't know what it was. It was just weird. And I was like, why is this here? Like, is it a ghost or something? It's just how David Lynch shoots stuff. Like, the more of his movies you see, the more you're going back. Oh, he's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, then you find out that because she's a little bit slow, the state decided that the kids shouldn't be in her care. And that's why she looked sad to that little boy and stuff. And I was like, that's fucking cool. <laughs> like, you don't need to have like a full on flashback. I like that it was said during that conversation. Then it flashed back to that scene because we saw that scene live in real time in the beginning of the movie. So I thought that was a high as well. Uh, what about you guys? Any, any anything you want to bring up? Uh, I mentioned it a little bit, but I did want to. Get out of the way right away. One of my favorite, favorite things about this movie was the soundtrack. The first time I watched it, it I didn't remember it or something, but I, I'm smitten with it. Like, I've been thinking about it all day. I, I think I'm going to have to just, like, buy it or something. Like, I know I can listen to it online whenever I want, but I'm thinking, like, Mondo or someone put out the soundtrack on vinyl, and now I'm kicking myself for not getting it because I'm sure it's long gone. But I really like the soundtrack of this movie. Like, there, there's a – after he sets off, I think the second time, it might be the first time, it just kind of shows him and then it shows this guy and then it shows him. And then he's like driving along and all it's doing is just like showing scenery and playing the music. And I thought I could watch an hour of this. I, I, could, just, <laughs> I could just have this on the TV and just like relax and, you know, decompress from life. I, I would like this, but of course we had to have a movie. So <laughs> Zach, what about you? Oh, I, uh, I like everything about this movie. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I like the similar kind of, uh, like I said earlier, there's a little vague of a Twin Peaks-ish vibe uh, to it with like all the townspeople and stuff. <laughs> when he goes to the store, the hardware store, that we all got quotes about the grabber scene, yeah. except for Dubs. Because it's just like, oh, I want to buy that grabber. He's like, oh, that's Alvin, that's my grabber. It's, it's a really nice grabber. Those are hard to come by. And then he looks over to his like left, and there's an identical grabber right beside him. <laughs> but, but that one's his. Alvin recognized quality in that grabber. <laughs> also, does he use it the rest of the movie? Like I don't remember him. Oh, he uses it to get firewood. He, he gets firewood it. with it, yeah. And then uh, uh, I also like the scenery haggles those twins over like the labor of the uh, uh, them fixing his lawnmower. Mm-hmm. And then like he <laughs> he just starts like you know talking about his brother and then they're like whoa hold, like they have like a moment because they're listening to him talk about his brother and they spent the whole time arguing and shit while they were like fixing his lawnmower it's like damn <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it, 
I I gotta listen to the soundtrack again because I was just zoned in on Alvin being on his fucking lawnmower. Uh it might not be everyone's taste, I guess, but I, I don't I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It it I also like I don't know if I like it, but like it had also David Lynch touch as far as the shot. Like when he's going downhill, like it like did that zoom in thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> he made that yeah. he made it, being on a lawn, runaway lawnmower terrifying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought it was interesting, but I don't know if I would love it. I'm kinda like in the middle of that because I'm like it's kinda goofy, but it's also like cool because it's showing the the emotion yeah for the most part the cinematography in this movie is like utilitarian but the few times it steps out of that with you know with that exception i think it does pretty well i um i always had it's kind of half a joke but also half serious uh for the longest time i had tons of friends who had all like david lynch but none of them had seen this movie for some reason i would describe to them the most surreal part of this movie comes at the beginning when it says walt disney presents David Lynch movie. But after that, it feels very, very David Lynch. The very first shot where the camera's like looking down and his neighbor's like sunbathing. Yeah. And Rose leaves and the camera like goes slow, 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 slow around the camera to the side of the house. And it's very blue velvet. It's a very blue velvet shot. A lot of that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is obviously a David Lynch movie. And then the rest (laughs) of the movie, it backs way off on the David Lynch cinematography. For the most part, there's still a few other instances of it. But like that one shot, I was like, there's no doubt this is a David Lynch movie. And it doesn't do anything except move a camera on a crane around the side of a house show a window and then you hear a sound him alvin falling we realize later and then the camera comes back out to show the 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 fat neighbor has snowballs and potato chips now weird combo (laughs) potato chips and snowballs it's so strange sweet and savory i guess he also likes wieners um (laughs) oh wieners well there was like again the dialogue was very disjointed in almost every scene um, and what was his deal about not going in that guy's house? By the way, was he I don't just know. like I, I interpreted it like he's been on the road for all this time? Like maybe he's filthy or something. I don't know. Maybe he's worried he smells or he doesn't want to get mud everywhere, or, or maybe he's just uncomfortable with the thought of being in a, someone else's house. I'm not sure. And I also I also got like imagery, like it was like the old Wild West, like he was driving a horse in a carriage. Except it was a lawnmower and his yeah. little trailer. Like, I, I also liked that he, he wanted to finish the journey because, like, I thought about it too, and I, I'm glad the character brought it up. The guy, the the last house that he like visits to get the repairs, he's like, "I'll drive you there." Like, me and you know my wife will have a nice Sunday drive, and then he's like, "No, I need to finish this journey on my own." I was like, at, at the same time, I'm like, I get it, but I also like. You, your hips are not good anymore. Uh, you sitting on that lawnmower for what was it five weeks? Uh, jeez, yeah, and and maybe he was sleeping in the trailer, but most of the time he was sitting like on a lawn chair, uh, by the fire. But I don't know. I, I digged it. (laughs) I thought it was, and that whole scene with the fire department was silly too. Like you guys mentioned before, with the gotta get back to the exercise. And then you see like the the neighbors just watching <laughs> this this fire being put out, and then seems the, that, interesting watching a controlled burn. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, you know all... honestly, I did that once. My father was in the <laughs> volunteer fire department, and they were doing a controlled burn somewhere. And my sister and I were there, and we were like, oh, "I guess we're just watching this house burn." It wasn't a house; it was a barn. And they, yes. they like, they were practicing. They were practicing putting out fires. It was kind of interesting. I don't know. I was like eight. Mm-hmm. You know, fire's cool if it's not somebody's house burning down. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, ever seen a campfire? It's like that times a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. It, it, this movie, no pun intended, but kind of pun intended, is very straightforward. Like you said, Zach. Like, it, yeah, it is. It's also, it's ju- his name, so it's a pun. But yeah, yeah. I think it's a three-way. It's a three-way gag. Yeah, it's it kinda straight, is. straight story because it's Alvin. Straight story. It's a straight story because it's a straightforward story. It's it. David Lynch is giving you the straight story. <laughs> Everybody says my movies are complicated. This one isn't. I do like because like it feels like a Disney like family movie. It still is, by the way. But like it's all about family. Yeah, but like David Lynch like throws his weirdness at a certain point, and I'm gonna bring up this certain point is when the lady hits the deer. And it's oh, just I love so, that scene. It's so <laughs> fucking so weird. weird. Yeah. It, it's it's almost it almost felt like destiny because he eats the deer right like after the deer is <laughs> when he's cooking the deer too and then there's, there's like he's, statues there's like a bunch of deer statues and it unsettles him he's like no, like style. looking right at him was like what the hell like that movie got, I forgot about that scene that movie got real weird for like you know four minutes and then it moved on it got back to the back to the normal normalcy. That scene reminded me of the scene, and uh, I mean, the, when the lady hit the deer. Uh, remember in Wild at Heart when they come across the girl who, who was in the car accident? It's like the revert. It's like some kind of weird, quasi inverted, not as dark version of that. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember that. It's been a little while since I saw Wild at Heart. <laughs> That's I still remember that. That scene's burning in my memory because it just comes out of nowhere, and it's like just it's crazy and dark, and then it's just over. Uh, over. It's kind of the way the deer scene is. But, I, uh, that was funny though. <laughs> yeah, and I'd forgotten all. I forgot most of this movie. I, uh, I, I always say I'd seen it, and I remembered. Yes, I like that movie, but I forgot several details about it. I, I, I got this movie on DVD from Netflix. That's how long it's been since I saw it. Whoa. <laughs> my favorite part is me. Well, one of my favorite parts, I should say, is seeing Ed Hurley. As the the tractor oh, salesman, oh, yeah. it was so nice to see him. I honestly thought the uh, um oh shoot I for, I'm forgetting her name now, but um the you know, the woman who played Nadine in Twin Peaks since they got it you know they got him. I wish she was the lady that hit the deer because I saw I, <laughs> I saw her performance and I thought man she would have just knocked that out of the park if it was her <laughs> like she like she did a good job don't get me wrong but I was like that part was made for her and she she wasn't in the movie for some reason. <laughs> What I thought was funny, is she 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 does say like I was listening to fucking Public Enemy real loud, right? <laughs> that's yeah. what she said, and I was like, "Hmm, <laughs> that, that that's interesting." Uh, but I don't know that 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 scene was weird. Like I again, I went into like David Lynch mode, like a try, trying to fuck fucking figure out what he was doing, and I was like, "Is this like some type of like spiritual thing like happened?" Did it happen or not? I don't know. Like, I think like that sometimes when I watch movies, but it was weird. Like, she just drove off. <laughs> it 
it was very David Lynch character esque. Yeah, it's 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 kind of strange. I was thinking about this movie. I, I wish I could remember what I thought about it because I thought, oh, that will make me sound smart. I'll say it on the podcast later. Um, what exactly was it? This this movie like revels in the brilliance of normalcy, the the, the mundanity of life. Yeah, like it <laughs> it it props up. It props up how boring a road in the Midwest is and says, God damn it, look at that. Look at all this crazy stuff you see. <laughs> um, David Lynch had said, Oh, it's one of my it's my most experimental film at some point. And what he was meaning by that is they shot it in chronological order along the actual route that the guy had driven in real life that's that's what's experimental about it because they didn't they didn't um normally when you're making a film you you know you have the script and you say okay we'll, we'll shoot all these scenes they all take place in the same location and then we'll shoot these scenes we got to do those in new zealand we'll do that with another crew and then we're going to shoot these scenes we'll do those on a sound crew or on a sound stage in los angeles not this one they actually like went out to iowa and wisconsin which i hear is a big party state and <laughs> filmed everything in the order that it actually happens in the movie that scene at the fucking food shopping area where she has the bunch of like the, the meat and stuff and she the, the the clerk is like, You're having a big party, huh? And then like because you know Alvin's daughter is slow, she's like, Oh party, great. <laughs> like, you're having a party? And she's like, No, no. <laughs> I thought you were having a party. Like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. It it was so wholesome throughout the whole movie. Like I, what made me a little sad is when, uh, that old guy going through his war stories and stuff. And you could tell like the PTSD was kicking in pretty much. This whole movie makes me sad. This whole movie makes me melancholy. This whole movie makes me like, I don't know, like nostalgic for like a life. I didn't even live. This whole movie makes me, um, uh, regretful. It makes me introspective. This movie makes me a lot of things that on paper sound bad, but I enjoy watching this movie. This movie makes you feel things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's uh, we were talking about it like you know celebrates mundanity, and uh, I think it's like a really good movie. And you said it's a family movie, right? It is a Walt Disney. It's I mean it's released through Buena Vista, but it's a Disney movie. So mm. would you guys classify this as it's rated G? So, would you guys classify this as a family movie? Yeah. You can yeah. watch this with anyone, right? A child, mm -hmm. a grandparent, you know, whoever. Um, and it's on Disney+, Plus, which is very cool. But there's... I get... Before the show, I always pull up our, our Google Doc with all of our, our setup and plans on it. And then I pull up IMDb, and I always have the movie we're going to talk about. Because every once in a while, I'm like, oh, that actor, uh, blah, blah, uh, blah, Sissy Spank. It, it's right in front of me now. I can just see it. But I was scrolling, and it says, more like this. And now normally when it says more like this on IMDb, it's like movies that are similar. So it would be like heartwarming, G-rated, family, feel-good, kind of Disney stuff. But on IMDb, it says, more like this, Lost Highway, Wild at Heart, Inland Empire, Blue Velvet, Eraserhead, <laughs> The Elephant Man, Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, Weather Report, which is the, the Twitter series that, that David Lynch does where he goes, oh, it's, it's raining in Los Angeles and I'm a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks, The Missing Pieces, and then Paris, Texas, which is an extremely good Harry Dean Stanton movie. Um, 
none of these are tonally similar to this movie at all. They're just Whether directed by David Lynch, which tells me the only people watching this movie are big David Lynch fans, which, you know, good for them. They're watching a great movie. But this movie is going completely underappreciated by, like, the movie viewing public public as a whole. Everyone has Disney Plus should be seeing this movie, but instead they just, like, slipped it on there and didn't tell anyone about it. They didn't advertise it or anything. And this movie was a critical success. Everyone loved it. I think it's the only David Lynch movie to ever get four stars from from uh, Siskel and Ebert or whatever and a bunch of other critics loved it to death and it got a bunch of nominations and a palm d'or at uh, Cannes and a bunch of other stuff but uh, I don't think it did fantastic as far as like audience went and I just wish the people who own this movie Disney specifically would give it a big push because I think people are missing out on this movie this movie is like really really good do you think the public would like it though yes okay I yeah, now I'll, you you said earlier this is a family movie and that that was part of what brought me back to this but I'll tell you why this is a family movie and it is a movie about family because he's going to see his his sibling and uh, his daughter plays a big role in it he talks about family with the runaway and with a bunch of other people in the movie but I think the biggest thing about this movie that makes it a family movie is at least in my experience and you guys will have to either back me up or deny me on this everyone knows someone that alvin reminds them of everyone has a grandfather or an uncle or something that's like, oh i could see uncle jimmy i could my grandpa he doesn't like to go to the doctor either he's real yeah. stubborn maybe not to the degree that alvin is but when you see alvin straight in this movie you think of someone you know uh, i know i know that guy i totally know what th- this is about and i think that's what helps this movie connect with so many people is because everyone has someone in their family who's like a stubborn old jerk or you know like that. Well, not jerk, but stubborn. Mm-hmm. That guy was that guy was my grandpa, my mom's dad, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the you know normies would like the ending though? Do you think that would kind of throw them off a little bit? I, I don't know. I don't think so necessarily. It's I think it'd be a half and half kind of thing. Just like it's like the hardest thing, the hardest sell about this movie is when you tell them the premise of it. I think some yeah. guy drives on his lawnmower to see his brother. Yeah, that's the problem is selling the movie. The movie you sells to, itself if you can just get get the butt in the seat. I think. Yeah, watching it is the easy part. The hard part is like trying to tell somebody about it. I think this movie has a lot in common with other David Lynch movies. I'm kind of realizing in that. It's hard to describe a David Lynch movie to somebody. It's really hard to describe, and also kind of what you're getting out of it isn't necessarily on the face of the movie. It's not the actual story. When you watch a David Lynch movie, what you're seeing on screen, it it isn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily need to be taken at face value all the time. Sometimes it's just about the mood or the tone of a film, and it's just, it's putting me ill at ease. It's making me sad. It's making me uh, feel anxiety or something like that. Sometimes David Lynch does that. I think better than almost any other filmmaker I can think of. He is extremely good at that. And this movie does that as well, extremely well. And I think if people are um, uh, emotionally mature enough, when they watch this movie at the end, they're not going to care that there isn't a conversation between Harry Dean Stanton and his brother. I don't think they're going to care. I think they're going to, have had that emotional journey beneath the surface of their own heart. And they're going to come away from that movie being like, 
I've I've attained something of value in the in those two hours. Did, yeah, that, okay. did, that sound, did that sound too stuck up? I felt stuck up when I was saying it. No. But I really do think if someone's emotionally mature enough, at the end of this movie, they'll say, I, that, that was great. That was, that was, I, I feel like I had a really good, I, uh, it felt like a good meal, a filling meal that I had, but in movie form. Yeah. Cause I got real nervous. Cause like when I first brought up the list to you guys, like we did a, you know, revise it. That's why Blue Velvet's going to be the next movie. Uh, but like <laughs> Zach brought up other David Lynch movies that are, you know, more famous than what I picked. And I was like, oh man, did I pick a, a shitty David Lynch, you know, Disney movie? I just thought it was oh. interesting. And when I went into it, especially at the beginning where I was like, oh, I don't know where this is going to go. And then I just got into it and I just fucking loved it because I had those connections, Andy. I was like, this seems real. Like this yeah. seems relatable. Uh, all the emotions were happening. I, I, I just loved how he was talking to the female hiker where she was like, my family hates me, but I didn't tell my family that I'm pregnant. I didn't tell my boyfriend. And he did that like bundle of sticks uh, analogy. And then, yeah. then when, you know, that happened, I was like, Oh fuck. God damn it. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I brought it up a million times where he's talking to the old man, you know, they they themselves are relating to their situations in the war. Uh, and um, talking about another a, family, a military family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and then just seeing all the kindness that happened in that movie, I was like, you know, with everything happening in our world right now is very negative and shit and just seeing something positive of seeing human relations that are happening in this movie was just so wholesome. Now, I know there's like bad things that happen in the world, but it's just nice to see on a fucking movie screen. Uh, nothing felt like something bad was going to happen, even though you had the idea like, oh, is his brother dead? And like, what's going to happen? Is he going to yell at his brother at the end? Because uh, one thing that like I was confused about is when the old man is like, let's go get a drink. And he's like, I don't drink anymore. But then like before he visits his brother, he gets, he gets a, beer. a beer. Yeah. yeah. I wondered like, does he, maybe he needs that. He says, well, I'm about to see uh, my brother. Maybe I need this in order to like get a little extra courage to get the extra, the, the last leg of the journey. Mm -hmm. well, I think like, See, there's only one part of this movie where I got confused a little bit was right when he's about to pull up to his house. And I was like, did he break down? Yeah. But the, he, I don't think he broke down because that guy drove up next to him was like, you all right? And he's like, oh, I'm not doing too good. And they, they're talking, but it's kind of inaudible. Like, you're not really meant to hear exactly what they're saying. You can hear him say, try it again. And then it just turns on. I think he stopped on purpose. Like he, he stopped and he's like, I'm, I'm like right here. And he's like, he had to like collect himself. Cause he just sat there for a long time and he didn't do anything. Yeah. But there is that, the puff of black smoke from the actual mower as well. There was, but I think it's just cause he killed it. Maybe, it's, you know, it overheated. It's like when you're going in the desert and shit and like your car is like smoking and shit. And you're just like, fuck, I got to hold off and maybe put some water in my tank or whatever. <laughs> like, that's what I thought of. It was like, it's a fucking lawnmower that like yeah. drove for fucking five weeks. He's like, bitch, stop driving me. I was well, really glad they took the the 
blades off it when they serviced it after it broke <laughs> down. I was like, why is he, why does he still have those on there? And then they took it off. I was like, thank God. Yes, finally. <laughs> it was bugging well, so it now. <laughs> <laughs> but now, yeah, that, that part stood out to me because he's just like, yeah, you, it looks like he broke down, but he, at the same time, he just doesn't even try to do anything about it. He just sits there. No, you might be right. Yeah, he doesn't even he doesn't fix it like he did earlier in the movie. He always like stops and he has to climb off and dismount and pop his hood or get something. And he he, that's the only time where he doesn't do that. That does remind me of one of the other really weird parts of this movie. And one of my favorites is uh, the red mower fails him. And so he has to put it down. <laughs> Fucking shoots it with like a, a Kentucky rifle or some shit, like a flintlock rifle. I like that part a lot. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, that part was great too. It, it also like drew, it, it like threw a curveball at me because like after he gets out of the doctors and stuff and then learns about possibly his brother could not be alive. Uh, and then he like goes on a journey and then, you know, the mower breaks down and then he like goes through the kitchen with the, with the gun. And I'm like, Oh no, is he, is he going to, you know, self delete himself? What the fuck is going on? Self-delete. And, <laughs> and um, no, he shoots his thing. Like the comedy in this fucking movie was like great. And it was just dry humor. All of it was dry humor. Uh, you know, the whole you know what's the number to nine one one, and then the guy's like, "Give me the phone. I gotta call a bar and tell him that he's not coming." <laughs> like, like, you know, the whole grabber scene was funny too, and yeah, it's just, and even when he meets his brother, like the, the Harry, Henry Dean Stanton, like looks at the mower, he's like, "You rode that all the way here <laughs> just to see me." And then it just stops. <laughs> like, like they look up into the stars, and that's where it ends. Uh, but Zach, you did bring up a good point, like with the you know him stopping because, again, just like the dear lady, like it felt like spiritual in a sense, like oh, this, this, we've got to keep him going. Let's make him have a a big meal, and it was dear. And then like him stopping, um, and then that big ass fucking tractor. I just I thought like this motherfucker is coming with a big tractor to fucking like say, bitch, I got a bigger tractor than you. <laughs> I- for a second, I almost thought it was it was his brother on the tractor. Like, I, I thought that too. Was, <laughs> like he just pulls up and he's like, he, he just looks at him and he's Alvin. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I just thought that would be really funny. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that, and I know we're never going to get the answer to it because he, he never elaborates. Uh, but like I think that's another spiritual thing. Like he stopped and that person nudged him along his journey and stuff because I thought the same thing. I started the black smoke and I'm like, all he has, if you're going to keep your journey, take your two canes out and start walking. <laughs> like that's, that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. I, I had that thought too. It was like, well, he's just like, I guess I have to walk the rest of the way. Yeah. And it, it, and it's funny because literally it was like 10 feet and then to the right over that little, <laughs> little uh, bridge that was there. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't far. Um, and Andy, you calculated the journey on cards like three I had hours. to know. He he said where he was from and where he was going. I was like, I know these are real places. So I looked it up. I had to see it on Google Maps. Did you see how long it would take walking speed? Uh, no, I should have. That would because that's about how long that would be on that mower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seven seven miles per hour. Jesus Christ! 
Well, it said seven, but I was reading the Wikipedia article for this, and apparently the mower that he actually used, that 1966, whatever, uh, five, five miles per hour. <laughs> so if you walk slow. And also it's towing a bunch of stuff it's not meant to tow, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, another thing I want to bring up, because it wasn't translated pretty well. Maybe it was, and I just didn't know. When he's like looking in his wallet, and you know, he's like, I think $52 was only there. And then he calls up his daughter, he's like, Did my social security check come in? Did she Western Union that, or did she like mail it? I think she oh, mailed it. Mail, I assume. Yeah. And just the passage of time just happened, and it got it like, you know, maybe five days. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's been a lot of time passing. Yeah. I mean, all the other thing is, too, in terms of actual mail, he's not that far away. It's just that it takes so long because he's on that damn mower. That's true. Yeah. So, so it'd like, be like a day or two at most. Yeah, he'd, be, he'd get that mail the next day. But, uh, yeah. He should have got, like was... got a four-wheeler or something. Yeah, I, He couldn't I, afford I, it. He yeah, does. That's true. Yeah. It's he could have sold $20 to give Big Ed. He could have sold that Kentucky rifle and got one. That thing was immaculate. It looked like he got a collectible. I thought it was just a shotgun or something. There was a there was a flintlock fucking thing on that. <laughs> he he also brings up the point that he doesn't have his driver's license, but then he put a trailer hitch on it and it has a license plate. I'm like, well, technically, aren't you driving illegally now? Well, Amish people do that too, with like a horse and buggy. And technically, is that a trailer? I mean, like you different know. states have different laws on it, so I. I I mean, it would be hard to even speculate, but I think there's a speed limit involved for you to operate certain kinds of vehicles or whatever. Well, they probably uh, don't have one because a bunch of people actually do drive out in tractors on the roads and shit out there. Mm-hmm. Iowa has no laws. I've been there. Yeah. Speaking of law enforcement, um, the guy that uh, plays Alvin, which is Richard Farnsworth, uh, he's in the movie, at least me- memorable for me, is the movie Misery, that Stephen King uh, movie. Mm. Uh, he's the sheriff, and he gets fucking blown up by the fucking lady. Uh, she blows him? No, no, no. Like, with yeah, a shotgun. Poorly phrased. <laughs> yeah. He gets blown. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And by the way, I fucking love that bar that he stops in Wisconsin. I was like, that, that bar looks fucking cool. There was a PAP sign. All I could think of was Blue Velvet. Oh, you'll see. You'll see. No, we're not going to do that yet. <laughs> I, I almost said it, and I was like, "No, no, you got to wait." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, all, you brought it up, Andy, before because uh, I'm going to bring up some fun facts. Uh, you know, you brought up this was his most experimental uh, film. Uh, he also said in an interview, like he had zero interest about this movie, and then he read the script, and then he like did some gestures with his uh, fingers. He's like, when I was reading it, it just phased me to make this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it phased dude. into my being. Yeah. <laughs> you ever uh, heard him talk about like his creative process? It's very abstract. So like, yeah, something about it just hit him the right way. Honestly, like I just thought the story in general just sounded like a story he would be interested in anyway. It's 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 very Lynchian. That mundane like. A man rode a lawnmower to see his brother. It took him six weeks. (laughs) 
Like that sounds like something he would he would find really fascinating. I don't know. I, I think that too. Uh, I think a lot of David Lynch's movies, at their heart, are always just about like people, like one, it's, two, maybe three people. It's yeah, and and just their story. Like he's never interested in like something huge. It's always like, oh, someone someone gets wrapped up in a in a murder mystery. Someone it's, someone has a deformity. Someone It's know, a really simple story, but he blows it up and makes it huge. It, like without making it like oh, I mean, people say, "Oh, it's elaborate." No, it's it's that's always kind of been how I thought about his stories is it's like it's a really simple idea, but he makes it big. Well, he always has fascination about locations, right? Like uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks is the Midwest type of thing, and also this Pacific movie, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Pacific Northwest, and then you know the Midwest in this movie, and then also like a Razorhead. He's like, I always loved Philadelphia and the industrial complex and all that stuff. And like, okay, <laughs> and he just makes the movie with all these characters and stuff. Do you know uh, what his most spiritual film is? What? Andy, do you know what his most spiritual film is? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> no, it was Eraserhead. That makes sense. That's where that quote comes from. He goes like, uh, my most spiritual film is Eraserhead. And he goes, can you elaborate on that? And he's like, no. That's where uh, it came from. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I have nothing else. I think we straightforwardly uh you know, hit all the big points of this movie. I, I I don't think there was anything low about this movie to say. Like, I enjoyed it highly. Like, the only thing I would say is, like, in the beginning, it got disjointed, and then I just got used to it. So I think that was just a me problem more than the movie problem. I don't know. Oh. Is that a problem when you watch Twin Peaks? No, and I, I, the, how I was sold Twin Peaks is, like, this is fucking weird, and you're going to feel weird watching it. And then I watch it, I'm like, it's weird, but I'm fucking fascinated on who killed Laura, Laura, Laura Palmer. I almost fucked up the name. Who drank Laura Palmer? <laughs> <laughs> Fish in the percolator. Look, look let's wrap this one up. Uh, we've, we've reviewed some of my favorite movies of all time on this podcast before, and I've highly recommended them, highly, highly. This is the first movie where I went to aggressively recommend it. Like, God damn it! Go watch this movie. Do it. You probably have access to it because it's on Disney Plus, and I can safely recommend this to just about everyone except for like an eight-year-old. Do yeah. they have this movie in 4K? Uh, there is a Blu-ray release from Impact, Impact or Shout, and it was a while ago, and it might have sold out. Probably, I don't know. Okay, I, I, man, I just oh, please make a criterion of this movie. Come on. That's what I was thinking. I was like, here's got to be a criteria. I know they're trying. They're always negotiating rights on something from Lynch. It's difficult. Hey, deceased Chaz, what do you think of the straight story? Ah, Disney's The Straight Story. My thoughts on this movie are that it was shit. Oh, come on now. Chaz, you buffoon. Are you kidding me? So I'll give up on it, but. Uh, really, uh, David Lynch's The Straight Story is is another movie that doesn't quite fit with the full catalog of what you'd expect from a David Lynch movie. Again, there's not that mystique 
or there's not any any element of some weird mystery or surprise and, and maybe I'm getting on I'm getting a bit too into saying that type of thing uh it's almost like every everything that's not twin peaks isn't david lynch but but really though the this is another uh, movie that is a straightforward film, and it's based on truth, because uh, it is based on a true story. Uh, but uh, again, you could definitely tell this is a David Lynch film. Um, the several of the shots, the the direction and the environments are phenomenal. Uh, the music is great, um, and uh, it's actually something I didn't say about uh, the Elephant Man. The, prior week's review but actually that that fits too the music was also phenomenal uh that goes without saying but uh but again you could definitely see just the actual cinematic shots that are made and uh again something classic that david lynch likes to do is he likes to linger on certain scenes he'll also linger and let people just do things and actively have them in the background he doesn't need to have people having a conversation in in their setting or in the shot uh, directly up front where you're seeing their face and actually it's something I love about it it brings so much richness to uh, a scene or a shot when he just lets it be down to earth as it is there are some times where that comes out weird but I think in this movie as well as uh, some of the others that we've at least seen this this month it uh, definitely fits um, that said this, this story itself is very straightforward but it is Oh, this movie is so Americana in a way. It's like eating a warm apple pie, uh, or or eating a warm chili soup. I I don't know. It's it is. It it's something that just brings a comforting and, and a warmth to you in terms of watching the the tale of this the story play out. Um, it's just a story about family, and uh, about again as much as it is about some tragic parts of life. You know, coming coming in terms with your own mortality. And you're living with regrets and trying to amend those regrets. Um, the, you know, our main character, someone who doesn't have much time left, as his health is declining, as he's he's reaching, you know, a, that the end of his life, uh, just due to age, and he has so many things that I think has burdened him. Clearly through the story as it unfolds, you know, it's it's clear that, you know, he. You know, he for different reasons. You know, he he may have suffered from problems with with alcoholism, and maybe not anything severe, but just enough that it caused him to have some strife in in his own uh, with him, among his own family, and it caused his, his brother to to not speak to him, uh, or or vice versa. Um, so as the story plays out, he goes on this pilgrimage of sorts to get to his brother, and. I think there's some symbolism because it seems silly. Everyone questions him along the way about why he is taking such a, a journey and offering him help. Um, and, and in fact, something that's great about the movie is throughout this time, he is constantly running into people that are kind. He's It's such a great thing to see because we live in a world now where it's fear-mongering. Every person is out to get you and hurt you and harm you. And while maybe not everyone has the same opinions or beliefs, and there are a lot of bad people out there, there's so many good people too. And this movie focuses on how just a, someone that could be kind and just open up their their home and their their life to a stranger to help them, 
Um, actually, one thing I really like about it is that the film starts that by opening that kindness, uh, having our character open up the kindness of what little he has with him to someone else that's that's running away from their problems, uh, and the, the girl who's pregnant. And then from there, he runs into people who then open up to him. So it's, again, I think it's, there's a good balance uh, of the actual narrative plug moving, but also focusing on those symbolisms. But, you know, for him, he he needs to go on this journey and finish it as it is, because if he's unable to do so, it's like he's not able to, fully lift the burden that he's put on himself all these years by by doing the things that were wrong in his life um and maybe it's an unnecessary burden to have maybe he needs to have someone lift it but to him this is a this is like him climbing his own personal mount everest he needs to be able to do it to feel satisfied um the scene in uh the bar with the the two older men sharing the stories about world war ii it's fantastic that's one of my, like, it is such a, an unsettling scene, but it's supposed to be, and it is one of my favorite scenes that David Lynch has done in any movie. Again, this isn't my favorite David Lynch film by any means, but it, that scene alone is so fantastically stark. Um, but again, it appeals to that human element. Um, these men have seen the worst of the worst, and for someone to have to live with the guilt that, you know, he, he killed his own comrade, but within the line of fire, and not even being fully sure if he did, but he's fairly certain he did, um, just shows what people, you know, that, that had to go to war, had to go through. Um, it's, a, it's a horrible thing, and no one should have to do it. Um, but unfortunately, it's just the way it is in some circumstances. That said, uh, I'll stop prattling on about the film. Um, I do think there are some things with this film that, and I wouldn't say it's too long. There are some times where it, it does focus on some of those longer scenes that draws out a little bit. Um, but given that, I don't think the length is bad. I think it's still a good length. I like the film a lot. I love the ending. The ending is perfect. Nothing needs to be explained. It's almost like a Western. It, it's fantastic. Um, I just love that it ends that way. I'm sure you, you all agree with me on that, but, uh, definitely recommend the film. Um, what's, what's more to say? Uh, it's, and I like separating it too. This isn't just a David Lynch movie. Like you, I, I would recommend this to anyone and it's a family movie. It's a fantastic movie. If you need a, a little bit of warmth in your belly or watch this movie, it's good. I highly recommend this movie right now. This is one of my favorite David Lynch movies and Whoa. we still have to get through more. <laughs> well, a lot more. Yeah. So I need this in my collection. So I highly recommend Zach. What about you? Oh yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, like I said, there's nothing about it. I dislike it all. Uh, it's, it's just a really nice story that will uh, make you uh You'll have a very nice uh, cinematic meal and feel fulfilled. <laughs> there you go. It's like a plate of mashed potatoes and meatloaf. There it right? is. There it is. <laughs> with, a, with, good. with a nice cigar. Yeah. All right. Well, next movie we are going to be talking about in the David Lynch month is uh, Blue Velvet. Oh never, never seen this movie and didn't because... Usually what I would do is my friend would always put on like David Lynch 
movie analysis. So I know Mulholland Drive premise and scenes already. Uh, I'm just can't wait to watch it, it fully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're ready, but you're not. It's a good thing we're not watching it in Inland Empire. It's all I'll say. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I tried to dissuade. Ah, I wouldn't pick, don't pick that one. I like that movie, but it's it's his most difficult one, probably. I don't. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. I can be wrong sometimes. <laughs> at least, you, at least like you're not going to try to argue it. Nah, it's whatever. It's, it's my taste. I, you know, that's the thing. I love David Lynch movies, but man, I just, I couldn't do it. I'll watch well, that, it again one day, and I'll probably be like, oh, you know what? I do like this movie. Meh. That's our tombstone pick. Remember. It's yeah, a tombstone. That's our bonus credit. I wouldn't count on it, not for me, but we'll see. We'll see. I might. You just, a, you just said I'm crazy. You teased it. It's just, it's hard <laughs> because it's October, and if I get free time, I'll we'll watch horror movies. Zach, that's you know what you need to do. You need to that's go over to his house with with some whiskey, and then like just put it on. Oh, yeah, that, oh, that'll help me understand that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it might loosen your brain up enough. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I get it. The rabbits are supposed to symbolize. Uh, innocence. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into host credit scene. And before we do that, here's an ad. Wrestling nerds, wrestling weebs, wrestling fans. If you're looking for a different kind of podcast, one that goes over actual big wrestling news, I mean real stories, not somebody getting divorced or baseless rumors or whatnot, and get some color, we got that. We also do reviews of wrestling from the past. But sometimes we also do wrestling from the modern day, too. If it's something that interests us at the time. Other than that, I would say the main attraction is just three guys who have been lifelong wrestling fans doing what wrestling fans do. Cutting up, cracking jokes, and just enjoying the entertainment wrestling can provide. However that comes. If you want to catch Getting Some Color, you can catch it bi-weekly on Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, usually. It's funny, like... Me and Zach did last episode of getting some color and uh, we were just like, it's going to end early. And it did like what we were going to talk about ended about like an hour and 45 minutes. But then (laughs) we kept on talking about news and, you know, our rants and stuff. And it ended up being like a three hour show or two hour show, whatever, two and a half hour, maybe three hour show. And I was like, yeah, me and Zach could fucking talk about news like forever and just keep on going. Uh, but anyway, yeah, usually. <laughs> anyway, um, Andy, what the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? I beat Wild Arms. I did it. I, I had a I had a crisis at the end of that movie or movie at the end of that game because uh, I looked it up like you know everything I missed if I wanted to one hundred percent the game so I could mark it complete instead of just story plus, and it was all stuff I could easily go do. But it would take a few hours. And I thought, do I really want to go do all this stuff? Or do I just want to beat the game? Because I was in the final dungeon. I was heading up to Womp the main bad guy. And I decided to go ahead and beat the game. Uh, does that mean I don't like the game as much? Not really. I just, you know, sometimes sometimes you just want to wrap a game up. You know, so I did it. Uh, that game's great. I love it. It's, um, it, it's, uh, it's very JRPG flavored. It's mm-hmm. very, Rate it. Huh? Rate it. Out of ten, probably like an eight. That's what's about. I thought. Yeah, seven or eight. <laughs> High seven. Um, let's see. What? Uh, and then I started to play Real Mist. Just Mist, I guess. But Real, Real Mist, Mist is the one where you can move instead of clicking to the screens. 
Uh, that game, it's very missed. I played that game <laughs> when I was younger, and I don't remember if it was like on a demo disc or I downloaded a demo or I pirated it or what the fuck I did. But I was young, so I tried to play it. I was like, oh, this game's real pretty on board. I don't know what to do. And I just never came back to it until now. And uh, I'm reliving it. I thought, oh, I'm an adult now. I'll conquer this game. No problem. Nope, wrong. <laughs> But I did, uh, right before we started recording, like 40 minutes before 10, I finally, I'm in a new age. I finally opened ah. up a portal and I got somewhere. And then I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to save and quit and get ready for the show. Which, so, which age? I, I don't know. The, whichever one the gear transported me to. Big giant That's the gear. mechanical age. Okay. Because like I said, I didn't really get to do much. I walked around and there was like a throne near some stuff i saved and quit like i was like okay I, I don't, i'm gonna get wrapped up in this i know it so <laughs> i saved and quit for now um and then watching uh i i wanted to mention i i uh once in a while i like to bring up youtube stuff i've watched if it's substantial enough for some reason i decided to watch a kingsfield retrospective do you guys know what the kingsfield games are from yeah. software they're kind of the dark souls predecessor and uh, I've always wanted to play one, and I want to play one more than ever now, because I watched this whole, it was like three hours and 20 minutes, there's only four games, and the guy goes over the story, and how they play, and how they were developed, and who was in charge of FromSoft, and it's all, oh, and then they started making Armor Core games, and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's from a YouTuber, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, Majular, M-A-J-U-U-L-A-R, Majular. But uh, I've been watching some of his other videos, too. But I'm kind of pissed off because he has like hour long retrospectives about like every game on my goddamn hit list. It's like all the <laughs> shit I want to play, so I can't watch it. It's like Xeno Gears is on there, and um, oh, what else? Uh, Legend of Dragoon mm. and a few other things. And they're all like, oh, man, I really want to play that. But if I watch it, I know he's going to spoil the story for me because that's how he does. He does with stuff for Kingsfield. It was like, hey, who cares? I still want to play the game, too. It doesn't matter. But uh, I just want to re recommend those. I know we're always talking about Action Button and uh, I, I Beat a Game or whatever that, that one was called and stuff. So I wanted to bring that one up. Um, I think the only other thing I... Or no, I watched Army of Darkness. Huh. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so much fun. Everyone's like, oh, it's not scary. Oh, I don't like it. It's too funny. Uh, that's what I love about it. It's perfect. It's an action comedy. It has nothing to do with horror. <laughs> well, it's, it's just a weird pivot from like what they were doing, though. Very weird. It's a very weird pivot from Evil Dead Two. But I like I like that about it. I like how brave that film was to have got itself made the way it. Did. I still like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, and then I watched uh, the Qatar Grand Prix, which I didn't like as much. It was kind of a shit show, but like in an interesting way. Did Max um, win? Oh yeah, of course. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Max win. Not by as much though. There was actually a point during the race where he was ahead and they radioed him and say, uh, Max, you pick up the pace a little bit. Because uh he was actually getting caught by uh McLaren, I think, and it was Piastri. Oh. And uh the thing about uh, again, it was like a perfect storm for a perfect shit show. They did practice on Friday, and then after Friday, uh, Pirelli like looked at a bunch of the used tires, and they saw that the treading was separating from like the actual part of the tire because that track is so rough and it's so stinking hot there because mm. it's late summer in the Middle East. Of course, it's hot. Yeah. So, um, 
they shortened a couple turns and did something to the tires for the sprint race on Saturday. And then the sprint race was really interesting, but people were like coming off the track all the time. And there were like three safety cars in a 19 lap race, but the sprint race, I think was the most entertained I've been by a sprint race all year. But then the race, um, it was like blazing hot and apparently uh, Logan Sargent had to retire the race, not due to um, car problems, but because he was suffering from heat stroke. Oh my God. <laughs> I guess apparently like they have a, they have a drink system in the car and it just like holds just a bottle of water, which isn't a lot. Everyone went through it right away. He doesn't use his, so he didn't have any water in like, I don't know. It was like a hundred and something degrees and sitting in the cockpit in an F1 car, you're already getting blasted with heat all the time. Um, but yeah, he had to retire due to heat stroke. According to Lance Stroll, he lost consciousness at some point. And, oh, uh, someone else, I think Norris was saying in like the, the after action area where like medics were checking him out, someone else, he didn't say who, but at least one other person had also lost consciousness from heat oh, stroke. God. Um, uh, Ocon said that he threw up in his helmet twice due to the oh. heat, which, oh my God, I couldn't oh. imagine that. That kind of shit. Uh, like, just everyone was having trouble. Uh, at some point, Alonzo, like, radios, he says, when I come in for new tires, dump water on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, apparently, it was just, like, horrible. But also, on top of that, part of what made it so bad is because, like I was saying with the tires, they were getting all destroyed. And so, they had to mandate no one's allowed to use a tire for more than 18 laps of any kind. Whoa. So because they're only using tires for 18 or less laps, everyone is pushing on every lap. You know, it's like, um, like in qualifying, you have to push, you're going to do your absolute hardest lap just that time. But in a race, you do your hardest lap. Like when you're trying to catch someone, you're trying to defend something like that, but you don't always have to be pushing. That's like when you're working your hardest, but because they're using the tires up the way they are, everyone just pushed as hard as they could for 57 laps. And that's why everyone was so stinking exhausted. So again, <laughs> it was just like, you know, a shit show. And it's a, it's a good thing. No one was like seriously hurt. Apparently I hope. <laughs> as far they're going to install know. some air conditioning or some shit or I guess. Yeah. They're they, gonna do, I mean, they're wearing those helmets. So what else can they do? They, but yeah, every time someone would enter the pit, <laughs> The first thing they do is reach up and like crack open their helmet so they can get air in their face. <laughs> Se several drivers were driving and like holding their hands up above their their wind thing so they can get some air on their fingertips. Wow, <laughs> they were just like all burning to death. That felt real bad for them. <laughs> but it was an interesting race. Yeah, Max won, but um, Oscar Piastri got second and he also won the sprint race. This is his first year in F one. He's he's a He's a fresh rookie, but he's doing really well. He won the sprint race. He got second during the actual race. I think Norris got third. Yeah. And then George, I think. Oh, George and Lewis, teammates for Mercedes, you know, uh, collided in turn one of lap one, which was pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but it knocked Lewis out of the race. So that was, that was sucky for him and all the Mercedes fans. All right, I'll, I'll I'll stop talking about F one, but I I did want to talk about like I said, it was just like a, a glorious shit show, and I'm glad no one was seriously hurt. Other than that, anything else? No, that's it. I, I didn't watch a whole lot. I've just been I wanted to finish up Wild Arms, and I did. Nice. So uh, I played more NHL 24, trying to get used to it. Last night I was fucking pissed. Like 
in the beginning, I won the first game, and then every other game that I was playing, like I was just like, they were scoring shitty goals on me. Online, you mean? Yeah, online. And I was just like, this is bullshit. Like my goalie acted like a retard, uh, and like let in such soft goals that I was just like, what is happening? It feels like the game is coding like when you're on a winning streak and you're just like, ah, oh, this guy can't win anymore. He needs to buy more cards. So let's make sure like he fucks up a lot. And I felt like it, the game was fucking with me. You, uh, you make your own team, right? Or are you like playing as an actual team? So you create a team like a name, but then you open up card packs that, right. you know, you get players the and players, it, okay. But what the the biggest thing about NHL is uh, a lot of content creators said you can win with without buying packs, meaning you know spending real money to get packs. So it's not like necessary. But then you have people that are like uh, have the Rocket, uh, Paul Bouchard, uh, and uh, Wayne Gretzky and Brett Hull, and you're just like, I, all I have is fucking, you know, uh, trying to think of a player. Uh, Corey Perry. I have Corey Perry who's like fucking 50 years old on the fucking Anaheim Ducks or whatever and I'm just like I got this guy. He seems cool and then like the other guys have legends. I mean you watch (laughs) hockey right? You know who's good and who's bad? Yeah Corey Perry is fine but like when you have Brett Hull and fucking Wayne Gretzky and and then you're just like fuck man (laughs) like you guys are spending money to get those cards and I know it. And, what about um, that guy who used to always like post about you hated or some shit? Who was in the the New York team? I, f- I can't remember his name anymore. He was a Cindy goalie. Crosby? He was like a goalie, I thought, for the Rangers. Henry yeah, Lundqvist. Yeah, him. Yeah. What about yeah, him? He's in the game. I just haven't. We haven't got the card yet. Uh, if uh, if you don't buy the card packs, how do you get someone like like Gretzky, who's like retired? Uh, you work. You grind like you make this a, a third job to play until you finally gather up enough coins and stuff in order to get like packs. And even when you get enough coins, there's no guarantee because it's still random. And well, actually, it is kind of a guarantee if you have enough coins to go into the auction house because there is an auction house where you could put your car- cards Jesus for auction Christ. and uh, people put them in like in the millions the coins for those type of players. I always hear shit like that. And then I think, you know, maybe the system in rainbow six siege wasn't all that bad after all. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually been thinking about getting it back into rainbow six siege because I, I played it. I play it. I I need, I got to play shooter. I want to play siege. I want to play halo. I want to play something like I'm, I got a niche and I got to scratch it. Yes. I love halo. Uh, other than that, I went on like on the Ari Aster uh, fucking marathon. Uh, I watch Hereditary. I mean, it's uh, a short marathon, so yeah, it's a short marathon. Well, actually, I watched one movie like three times. Uh, we'll get there. Jeez. Um, I watched Hereditary, one of my favorite horror, horror movies. Um, well, would, would you classify it as horror or is that a thriller? No, it's horror. It's horror. Okay. All of his movies are horror, horror, horror movies. Movie. That's a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, Midsummer, I watch. And then I watch oh, Bo is Afraid um, with Joaquin Phoenix in it. I still, need, I still need to see that one. It That movie, the reason I watched it three times is because I didn't understand it in the first one. Because literally it's 
a fever dream. Oh, is that an Ari Aster movie? I don't think yeah. I knew that. No. It just came, it came out this year. Uh, okay. The, I, I watch it because it's a fever dream, and there's like themes in in the in the movie. I can't say the themes because then I like spoil it for you, kind of a little bit. Uh, and I can't tell you what it's like another movie because I also would spoil it too. Yeah, I don't want to know nothing. Yeah, so, so um, I recommend it, but it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. If you're like, I loved Midsummer and Hereditary, and you watch this, you probably and you're just like, I love those movies, so I'm going to love this movie. Some of you out there in the world might not like this movie. Because it might not be your cup of tea. But what I really love about all three movies is his color palette in every movie is fucking great. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He changes so. his color palette every time. Yeah, because like Hereditary was like very dark and gra- uh, grimy in a way because of very, the horror. Very dark, dark blue, dark, dark green, dark, dark orange. Yeah. <laughs> And then you watch Midsummer and everything's fucking bright, but then you're just like, oh, this fucked up situation's happening. <laughs> and then uh, Bo is afraid is like vomit of colors happen. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, I watched those movies and then I watched uh, Robocop because I, uh, you know, played the demo. Oh, yeah, that's something I played. I played the Robocop demo. Um, I can't wait for that fucking game. I went into the the game like I was gonna buy it anyway, whether it sucked or not, because that's how I am with franchises like RoboCop or Terminator. And it's made, I believe it's made by the same people who did Terminator Resistance, and that game was cool. Right. And um, they they did RoboCop, and that game is also cool. It it feels like they just took it out of the movie, man. In the comics, it's they make cool games. Yes, you uh. When you shoot the guys in the head, their their fucking head ex- heads explode. Oh yeah! I just want to know if you can turn somebody into like a weird mutant, like you, you can shoot like a chemical tank and it just like melts. Maybe, like this. <laughs> maybe um, you could grab uh, bad guys and throw them into walls and pillars and shit, and uh, you could like throw them against other guys, and it's fucking hilarious. The physics. Can you shoot, can you shoot people in the nutsack with your gun? Well, I haven't got to the part where there was a hostage situation and I shot through her skirt, through her ga- uh, gap legs and all that stuff, thighs, and hit him in the nuts. I haven't got there yet. You hopefully. punch them with your pneumatic punching dagger? Maybe. Uh, you can punch people and they fucking go flying. It's great. Uh, you get to have machine guns because every time the bad guys drop their guns, you get to use them. Uh, you get to go to elevators and he reads the sign and says, you know, the weight limit and he's above it. And he's like, I got to take the stairs. <laughs> like, so uh, the only time he takes an elevator was when it's a freight elevator and all that stuff. Uh, but it, the, the demo is two hours. Uh, it, right now it's on steam. I don't know if it's going to be on consoles uh, as far as the demo, but the game is going to be on, on consoles and I'm probably going to get this on Xbox. Uh, Cause I don't know. I like playing on controller via keyboard and mouse. Uh, Trying to think what else I did. Um, oh, I watched Friday the Thirteenth because that's one of my favorite Friday the Thirteenth uh, movies. Probably, the original one? yeah, the original, not the remake one. And then I watched a movie, uh, uh, an interview with fucking Rob Zombie saying that he had a fucking horrible time uh, filming the uh, Halloween movie. 
I thought he, that was something he wanted to do. He wanted to do, but he said it was a horrible experience doing it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll link the interview in the chat uh, for the future. But yeah, that's all I did. Um, got real annoyed. Oh, I, I streamed NHL 24, and I'm probably going to be streaming some uh, boomer shooters uh, soon because I have a bunch of boomer shooters on my Steam list. I'm just like, I I buy these games and I don't play them, so I'm going to go play them. So if you're looking at my streams, that's what's probably going to come next is boomer shooters. Good. Because so, I notice people don't like sports ball games and uh, and I don't want to bore people with my fucking geekness of NHL. But uh, Zach, what about you? <clears throat> well, uh, 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 I played... It's more tactics ogre. I'm just about in the same boat Andy's in right now where he's talking about wild arms and what he's going to do or what he did, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, it's just that, you know, you don't have to see it all. Like, that's the game. You got it. I've reached that crossroads, but I've talked about this before where there's like so much shit in this game mm-hmm. and there's so many like very specific like requirements you have to meet to fulfill certain conditions to be able to do stuff. This is like seriously the most hardcore game I've played in terms of like all that kind of thing. I mean, honestly, if if you had nothing else to play and you were really enjoying that game, I you know, of course you'd indulge that thought. Like if, if you played that when you were younger, if I played Wild Arms when I was younger, yeah, I probably would 100% the hell out of it. But yeah. the fact of the matter is I've got all these other games to play. I've got all these other experiences yep. to have. So I'm thinking uh, I learned the last bit. Uh, I, I'm right at the end of the game right now. I just got to hit level 40. And then go to the final dungeon, which is like uh, uh, ten levels, I think. Um, there's a there's one massive optional dungeon called Palace of the Dead, and uh, I was originally going to go there because I heard that's how you can get a lich in your party. That's and it's like, well, yeah, you can get a lich in your party. I was like, fuck yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> but, but then I found out there's a hundred levels, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> that's like a good game. <laughs> It, it it's insane. It's fucking insane. Cause like you know, in SRPGs like that, a battle can take anywhere between like oh forever, twenty and forty five minutes. So yeah. imagine doing that a hundred times. Pass. Yeah, and you and the other thing is is you can't tell like what's on the field. You can't scout the map, so you have no idea what's going to be out there unless you like look at a guide or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they do that. It's weird, but um. I said no to that, and then there's, like, another optional thing I can do where um, I can get, like, items and power-ups if I do these special dungeons. There's, like, six of them. I did one, and it took longer than I thought it was going to. I did, like, uh, uh, four or five battles, and I was like, and there's six of these? And I was like, I don't think I want to do this. (laughs) So I'm pretty much, I've hit my limit. Uh, the game's starting to kind of overstay its welcome for me a little bit now. Mm-hmm. I think I felt that way for a while, so I'm gonna like go ahead and like put it to bed. I gotta hit level forty and just end it, basically. Do it, and then you can start doing the the the, the, the pick a game, the the hit list. I don't know what it's called. Though. I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna actually do it a little later, uh, maybe after holiday season's over, because there's too many games coming out that I really want to play in holiday season. Are we gonna uh, play Forza? It came out and no one, no one bought it. Yeah, I haven't bought it yet because there's just a bunch of shit coming out. Like, uh, I started playing Spider Man on PS4 again to get ready for Spider Man, which is getting ready to come out. <laughs> so, I'm, pre- I'm preparing again. Uh, That's next week, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, but maybe I won't play through it again because it's getting ready to come out. And I still, I still pretty much remember everything in that game. I just didn't play the Miles Morales shit, but that's that's a lot shorter from what I understand. So I might actually try to do it before I play that. Uh, Miles Morales and Spider Man Two. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so like yeah, you, play, you, play you play as both of them in that one. Oh, um, cool. yeah. Two Spider Man. <gasps> two two Spider Mans. I still I still like we had a conversation uh, earlier in the week about like him and I. I still say they should give him a new name, like some kind of like other code name, because it's just lame to just call him man. To just call him Miles Morales, so there's no confusion when you say Spider Man because that guy. It, it's like you're basically admitting that's not Spider-Man by just calling him his full name. Spider-Kid. <laughs> yeah, that's it's what I said. It's too late now. They got years of stuff. That's why I said Arachnid Kid. Well, they, they did that with, like, remember Spider-Gwen? Did you hear about that? And they, then they turned... Yeah, they everyone changed... loves to cosplay as her. That's all I know. I well, they changed her name to Ghost Spider. That's her actual code name because it's like... In the comic, they don't call her Spider Gwen. That's just like what the fucking publication called her. And I always thought that was stupid. <laughs> I mean, I know us like comic nerds would be like, oh, that's, you know, Gwen Stacy. But like they they just have to like get all the stupid people like, hey, you know, Gwen Stacy, Spider Gwen. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. Lowest common denominator. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh I watched some uh, movies as well. I watched uh, No One Will Save You. Is that the is, alien movie? Uh, yes, it is a alien movie. Are you going to watch it? Yes. Is like, is okay. it good? Uh, uh. <laughs> I'm kind of real middle of the road about it. Honestly, I don't. I wouldn't. There's stuff about it that's pretty interesting and good, but I, I hesitate to say it's good outright. There's no dialogue, right? Or- yeah, there's like there's all there's zero dialogue pretty much. It really reminds me like somebody saw that one episode of the Twilight Zone where the old lady defends herself oh, against yeah. alien invasion and there's like no dialogue and somebody's mm. like, man, you could make a whole movie out of that. I feel like that's what somebody said. <laughs> but, uh, it's okay. I'll say it's okay. Um, let, let me ask this question, and I don't care if I'm if I'm right. Just tell me I'm right, unless a- Andy wants to watch it or something. Uh, is the alien just not supposed to be there, and it's some type of like you know meaning to it? No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, I won't say anything else about it. So okay, we'll skip that one. I watched uh, Skin and Marink. Oh, what'd you think I saw that movie? Um, I liked it, uh, but I also recognize that's going to be a very challenging movie for some people to watch. For oh, yeah, very, people fucking hate it, but I love for it. For various reasons. Uh, some people don't like... I, it's not a found footage movie. Some people call it that, and that's not what it is. Um, it's I call it more like... I'd say it's more almost more like an analog horror film, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's it's kind of weird in the way it's shot and everything. Uh, honestly, it's more of the, everything is shot more like it's more from the perspective of like the kids in the movie. All those angles are like real low to the ground, like you're looking up at like the rest of the room kind of thing. Like you're a toddler size and you're seeing the the house basically. Yeah, because like they play with the fact that the kid kids don't have a good memory of like what's in the house and stuff. And that's why like all the, you know, the toilet seat moves and the, 
the windows start disappearing and shit. Yeah. Like that's what that's what I think is like the kids like doesn't know the layout and whatever situation that had to be a demon, right? That uh, was- I guess. I mean, I, Andy, are you ever going to watch Scandamarink? I might one day, but go ahead. It's fine. Okay. Uh, there's some kind of entity in the house and it's messing with kids. Uh, some people aren't going to want to watch that anyway because they have like this real aversion to like anything happening to kids in movies or something. So whatever. Faint of heart. Don't watch it, I guess. But um, I don't know. It's it's. I'll say this. It's probably the most, the longest sustained tension I've ever experienced watching a movie. <laughs> yeah, because they do this like thing where it's like it's a dark hallway and you stare at it for like a while and you're just like oh fucking jump scare is gonna happen and it never happens but then like it finally happens and you get fucking startled like it does it really well the jump scare it works for it pretty much yeah, yeah. so like that that's everybody so critics liked this movie and audiences fucking hated it and everybody's the reason why they hate it is like, Oh, I'm just staring at fucking walls. It's dark and I can't see anything. That, that's what it is. Basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I'd say it's a, it's a pretty experimental movie. Uh, yeah, it's actually shot on a fucking nineties camera. Apparently. <laughs> I kind of thought so. It's so grainy and everything, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I don't know if you're like, if you like slow burn kind of analog horror kind of shit, you might actually like this. Uh, I liked it, but uh, I, I do recognize it's it's a pretty challenging movie. Yeah. So uh, uh, I also watched Midsummer again. Uh, that movie's great. <laughs> so I, I I forgot there was a director's cut after I got done watching, and it was like, God damn it, I need to watch the director's cut. I don't have it. <laughs> uh, What's in the director's cut? Do you know? Like a half an hour more of a movie. <laughs> like, is there uh, any like certain scenes like that uh, they? Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. I heard there's one scene in particular like that probably would have strengthened the movie even more if it was left in, but like I didn't I wasn't told what it was and I didn't try to find out what it is either. Okay. Cuz I'm just like, yeah, I, I I'm cur- I like this movie enough that I would seek out like a longer cut to see what that's like. Sure. Uh great movie. Uh and I watched some more of, I finished a video game, uh, the Parasite Eve video, uh, where he finished talking about all Parasite Eve 2. <laughs> uh, interesting game. Uh, very different from the first game in terms of like what they were trying to do. Uh, I like Parasite Eve 2 quite a bit, but there's like... It, the story and stuff in particular is like the thing that suffers the most in that game, I think. It's more fun to play than it is like you're getting invested in the story, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so the first half of that game I really like and I'm super invested in it, but like when you get to the latter half of the game, it kind of like gets real weak there. Yeah. So I won't say anything because I don't, Andy, did you ever play that one? No, but that that is something I don't want to have ruined because that's something I, I could get into passionately. Possibly. I can't remember if you ever played even the first one. Uh, we were going to, and then life got in the way, and we played other stuff. Yeah, I do okay. own it, though. I'm halfway there. <laughs> and then I, I got to the part where now he's talking about the third birthday shit, like setting up for that, like the, the development of it and how it got caught in like a a development hell of its own in, in uh, Square Enix. <laughs> 
And that was like, that was during that period of time where they were like, they thought they were like king shit and they, they could like develop all these games. They're like, I'm, we're going to do Final Fantasy 13 and we're going to do all this stuff that's going to spin out of Final Fantasy 13, like versus 13. And this other game that ended up being Final Fantasy type zero that was, that was supposed to be part of 13 too. And they like decided to not do that for some reason. Yeah. Man, that was a cluster. <laughs> <laughs> they got uh, real excited about announcing stuff. They got real excited about they they put all their eggs in that basket and that basket was rotten. <laughs> they were do, they were doing roadmaps before fucking Disney with Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So bizarre. But uh wow, uh from what I can tell so far, the story behind that game's development was it was just like really unfocused and they were it was kind of getting lost in the shuffle because they were getting so caught up in all this final fantasy business it's just really bizarre to me because uh, Tetsuya Nomura was the one that pushed for another Parasite Eve game. Cause it just kind of got forgotten about like during PS2 and stuff. And he, he said, uh, I Brea is too good of a character to leave her behind on the PlayStation. <laughs> and then he went out of his way to like make a game that were like arguably it was character assassination. And it's like, it doesn't remind anybody of Parasite Eve at all. <laughs> just really bizarre yeah they just someone else got their fingers in that pie or maybe he wasn't as involved as he thought it would be or maybe that's what he thought he should do maybe you gotta kill your darling sometimes i don't think he was involved in it i think it was during that period of time where he was stretched super thin and that was kind of a uh emperor has no clothes moment when all that stuff kind of fell apart (laughs) uh but yeah that's pretty much everything i did whoa whoa Wow, uh, and uh, uh, I, I also forgot to mention I watched uh, some NXT stuff. Is oh, you're watching NXT now? Yeah. No, shut up. NXT is interesting now. Who cares? <laughs> who cares what you think? You're, you you're watching start a wrestling show and talk about that shit over there. You're watching a bunch of dumbasses go around in a circle having heat strokes. Yeah, that's right. I am. <laughs> and puking in their helmets. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Only one of them did that. That sounds. That sounds. There so have been many memes about it. <laughs> You, that's one of like my fears. If I ever go to like space or something, and I'm in my space suit. I'm always worried about fucking puking in my suit. I mean, it's not sealed at least. So yeah. Did Latte Boy throw up his latte in his suit? That's what I want to know. No, he he collided with his teammate and turned one of lap one. Remember? He probably he probably <laughs> threw up his latte after that. Maybe. He 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 had a pretty productive race in his defense. <laughs> All right, guys. Well. Uh, Remember, Blue Velvet is going to be our next movie that we're going to be talking about in David Lynch month. And uh, PP Dubs is going to take us out. So take us away, PP Dubs. Peace. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. What kind of disgusting, despicable lack of respect does that Billy What's-His-Name show booking a match for the total package of Lex Luger and Super Brawl? Super Saturday? What is it? I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Super Brawl Saturday. Super Brawl Saturday? Can he afford to pay me to wrestle run? I don't know. I'm one of the biggest legend stars ever in this. God! Ah, what a wonderful movie and story since it's based off a true story. I wonder what the brothers talked about. Ah, it doesn't matter. Anyways, if you want to catch more Big Trouble in Little Podcasts, you can listen to them on iTunes and Spotify. Give them a good review and share the podcast. 
Also, they are on Twitter, at BigTroubleNet. Next episode, to continue David Lynch Month, they will be talking about Blue Velvet. So get ready for true David Lynch weirdness. <laughs>